Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Of course, all of the lines that you hear on this show are presented by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests and events with first to market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting props and futures use our promo code believe 50 to receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts this is lock it in a sports betting show part of the believe podcast network and now here's your host cam rogers and welcome into lock it in with cam rogers how are we doing everybody cam rogers with you we are of course presented by bet online this is believe so excited to be with you here for the next hour. Follow me on Twitter at Mr. Rogers 99 and on Instagram at Mr. Rogers 98 today. Thursday night football preview. Dolphins, Bengals, will Tua play at the quarterback position? I will give my pick for that game. NFL analyst Dustin Baker will join me to break down his Vikings. And of course, the rest of the NFL. I will predict every single week four game for you right here on the program. I'll give you my record, give some accountability here, and then get into my picks. And then to wrap up the Sanderson Farms Championship on the PGA Tour, my best bets for that tournament. Let's get into it. Thursday night football, Dolphins, Bengals. The Bengals are laying three and a half points in this game. The Dolphins look to remain perfect after a very impressive victory against the Buffalo Bills. The Bengals hope to get back to 500 after a victory over the Jets. Here's the concern for Miami, Tua's health. If he does play... Will he be 100%? I don't think so. And now you're going on the road on a short week after a very emotional game against the Buffalo Bills in the heat, taking on the Bengals, a team that I think is starting to find its stride. Cincinnati is 4-1 and one against the spread in its last five home games. The Dolphins are a great team, but they're not the best team in the NFL. That still belongs to the Buffalo Bills, even though the Bills lost that game against the Dolphins last week. Give me the Bengals to cover that minus three and a half number. Could be minus four by the time you're looking at this game, but the Bengals will cover regardless. Cincinnati will finally find its stride and just have some patience with this offensive line here for Cincinnati. I think it's starting to gel a little bit. It may start, of course, 
on Thursday night as well. Continue to get better, but there's too much talent on that front five for it to struggle continually throughout the NFL season. So Bengals cover minus three and a half. And joining Lock It In is Dustin Baker, host of Believe in Vikings, writer and editor at Vikings Territory, fantastic NFL analyst. Dustin, appreciate the time, sir. How are we? Oh, marvelous. The Vikings are 2-1, and one, and they've had a hard time keeping a winning record in the last two seasons. So when they do have that, even if something as teensy as 2-1, and one, life is good. Yeah, let's start there in okay. Minneapolis, if you will. Uh, Vikings two in one. Uh, I feel like their seasons are always roller coasters, Dustin, as you <laughs> know very well. Your overall impressions of this team through three weeks? Well, I can't argue with the two and one record, especially during the roller coaster game against the Lions. Um, I was there. I go to all the home games, and it didn't feel like they were going to win it. It felt like one of the games where. They just didn't have the oomph, um, but I think a testament to a new coaching staff and style. They remained aggressive, and the defense stood up when it needed to. It didn't do much the rest of the time, but they found a way to win, and that was ultra vital because now the game going um, to New Orleans, they should win, but if they don't, it's not quite as doomsday as what a 1-3 and three would feel like. So I think the general reaction is that it's nice to see the aggressive nature on offense and not just going to bed when you you know feel like the game's over, or even when you have a lead, because the Mike Zimmer version of Vikings love to get up about twenty to seven and take a nap. Uh, the defense has a lot of work to go. They they switched to a three four for only the second time in sixty one year franchise history. It's giving up too many chunk plays, um, but they have the personnel, I believe, to eventually figure it out. You know, it's been a classic Viking season, I would say, so far. They show up big time on America's Game of the Week, beat the Packers week one, right? Then they lay an egg against the Eagles and then have a tough fight against the Lions, end up winning that game. Do you subscribe, though, to the narrative of this whole Kirk Cousins in primetime thing? Because I feel like it might be overblown. I think Andy Dalton is worse in primetime, to be frank with you. So I'm sure you see this all the time on Twitter. You're probably like rolling your eyes a little bit. What do you make of this narrative with Kirk Cousins in primetime? Well, the it's not generalized primetime. He's done fine on Thursday nights and Sunday nights. Um, so once he started to do better in that, they shed that narrative and they went to Monday nights. Here's the deal. <laughs> and and uh, it'll surprise you none that I've, I've figured this out, determined it. Uh, he is a damn good quarterback most of the time. And he does have a performance dip on Monday nights. There's no doubt about it. It's like a career passer rating overall of 99 and it dips to about 89 on Monday night football. So he's not quite as good on Monday night football. However, when you use the quarterback record framing of two and 10, you know, it makes him look completely inept. So he does have a decline, which is not good. Um, but he's also not this merchant of horror films on Monday nights. Although when you watch a game like last Monday, you're like, Oh God, this confirms everything that I thought that I knew. Um, generally speaking, the Vikings on the road on Monday nights are not good. And they haven't been for like 15 years. The only team that they've beat on the road on Monday nights since 2009 is the Bears. And they've mm -hmm. lost to seven other teams. So, yes, I'll fully admit the cousin is not himself on Monday nights, but he's also doesn't turn into a middle schooler as the world would have you believe. Yeah. Uh, you know, the tectonic plates in the NFC North seem to be shifting, at least according to what I'm sensing out there, Dustin. Obviously, you know, you have the Bears and their struggles and the Lions seem to be getting a lot better, especially on the offensive side. And the Packers aren't exactly an offensive juggernaut. So my question to you is, is there a real possibility? And I feel like the answer is yes, for the Vikings to win the division crown. 
Well, no, because, well, there is the real possibility. However, um, I've learned at a very young age that you never beat a drum of the Vikings success because it always comes back to haunt you. So therefore I believe um, it's the Packers division until it's not anymore. And I got to believe it when I see it. So yes, I would still today, I'd pick the Packers to win the division because they always figure out a way with Mr. Rogers in town. However, Mr. Rogers, the same age as me, uh, he'll be, or he just turned 39 or he'll be 39 very soon. So I know he's not long for this gridiron world. And my my sole prayer in this in this industry is that when he moves on, that they have just a decent quarterback for the next 15 years. I'm done with this Hall of Fame stuff. 30 years of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, Super Bowl prognostication. So I'll just mm -hmm. ask you straight up here. Are the Vikings, as you see it right now, Super Bowl contenders? No, I, I had a lot of steam coming out of that week one Packers game because they did make some tremendous plays on defense when it mattered the most. But now I've seen the trend through three weeks that they allow way too many gashing chunk yardage to opponents on via pass and rush. So, uh, no, when I look, when I watch the games right now, I, I view them as the playoff contender with this hopeful optimism that the defense gets better on the fly. You'll, you might remember over the past two seasons, the Chiefs, their defense always starts like, what the hell's going on here? And then in November, it's like they just figure it out. And they're like, all right, now we're going to be, we're going to do this for real. So I have hopes that the Vikings could do that. But no, not in their present form would I put the Vikings in a Super Bowl contender. However, they can get there with some defensive progress. What do you make of Justin Jefferson? I mean, really an immense talent at the wide receiver position. I would put him inside the top three, to be frank with you, if we had to mm -hmm. rank him right here, right now. Just how amazing to you, and you watch him more deeply than I do, has he been on the football field? Well, it's it's tremendous, and I'll give you a comparison. So who he replaced, Stefan Diggs, is probably up there in your top three or top five. And when they were swapped for each other, uh, I remember very early on when they decided to target Jefferson in week three of 2020 that I had a confidence level that the ball, if the ball was in the air, I used to have that with Diggs. That evolved in the air, Je Jefferson was going to come down with it. And then his yards after catch acumen is much better than Diggs. So it the the most brilliant part of Jefferson is how quick he caught on to you know the NFL. And these last two weeks have been trying for him because defenses have figured out that you can't play him like the Packers did where you just leave him open. Mm -hmm. uh, so he has to adjust to how the world's going to treat him from now on. But yeah, I still think that, Devontae Adams is the cream of the crop. I know that they're 0-3, so everybody's like, he, whatever. Uh, but, yeah, I think Devontae Adams is probably still a better wide receiver. It's just uh, not amplified right now because of his situation. But I think Jefferson's right there at two or three, as you said. As a Maryland alum, I love Stephon Diggs, and mm -hmm. he is just really coming on in the NFL right oh, now. Yeah. So it's great to see. And obviously he is very close to your heart considering that game <laughs> against the Saints. I mean – do you think back at that game at all? Because I watch it and I'm not a Vikings fan and I have goosebumps when I see oh, it. Oh yeah. The, it was, so I was there in my, my usual season ticket spot and that stuff doesn't happen to the Vikings. Usually we're victimized by those moments. So I remember, first of all, it was, <laughs> they had a 17, nothing lead in that game. And then they coughed it away. There was a blocked punt. And then when that final drive happened, all you wanted them to do was get in field goal range to have a chance to tie it. So right. when he broke free of those two Saints dudes, I seriously like was looking for flags because my body and my DNA said this Vikings don't do this. And then, yeah, it was it was the I'm a basketball guy, too. So I always put uh, the Cavs coming back from three one over the Warriors as my top sports moment. But being there in person, uh, the Minneapolis miracle is probably 
number one for me. Yeah, absolutely electric. Let's talk about Aaron Rodgers. You mentioned Mm -hmm. him earlier. I feel like from a macro perspective, so far, Dustin, considering his talent, this has been a disappointment that he only has one ring to show for his career, considering... Right? What we're talking about here with the Green Bay Packers, and it's not like these have been bad teams he's been on the past years, but disappointments in the playoffs. Do you put him in the same category as a Brady, as a Manning, considering he only has one ring? Or is he outside that tier, if you will? Well, I think Brady lives in his own. And you can argue Joe Montana for his era. Joe Montana doesn't have the stats because they didn't pass that much back then. Um, But I I think if anybody was going to enter Brady's orbit, it would fairly be Montana just because of the leadership and the Joe Cool type of persona. Uh, Rogers, he's marvelous. There's no doubt about it. But yes, it is very odd that he only has one Super Bowl ring. And you'll recall after that, once it was somewhat evident that he wasn't going to go back there every year, every season from Packer fans, it was wait till he gets a defense, wait yep. till he gets a running back. Oh, he needs better wide receiver. And then they get it for him. They go find him this stuff. And then every year they lose to the 49ers in the playoffs. So yes, he is in a reduced tier, but it's not someone, it's not some tier that should be shunned. It's just that if you, the proof is in the pudding. I mean, Tom Brady has routinely seven times got it done. And it's almost bogus to say that Rodgers is just as good as him. He's a victim of circumstance and Brady always had blah, blah, blah. I don't, I don't buy that one bit. So yeah, Brady for me, I think for everybody by now is undisputed greatest of all time. And then Rodgers is a reasonable runner up, but I'd I'd certainly put Montana and even Manning ahead of Rodgers. You know, I always like asking this question to people who are not Packers or Giants fans. All right, here's Mm -hmm. the question for you. Going back to 2007, Mm -hmm. would you rather be a Giants fan, two rings, but mediocre years in between, or a Packers fan, one ring, good years, but that's it? I don't know if I can put on tape that I'd rather be a Packer fan for something. Uh, (laughs) Vikings uh, bias aside, if you will. Yeah, let's see. Because you're comparing yeah. like good product on the field every year mm-hmm. versus getting those two Super Bowls. Yeah, no, I would, I would align in myself somewhat with uh, Green Bay Packers there, and this is coming from a Vikings dude that you know just wants the one ring, so I can see what it feels like with the rest of you. Uh, yeah, I would take that guaranteed relevance and Rogers superstardom if you could transfer it, transfer it over to to my team in a heartbeat. Yeah. Okay. All right, let's turn to the rest of the NFC. The Bucks lost to the Packers in what was basically a baseball score. <laughs> Should you be concerned if you're a Bucks fan of what you're seeing on the football field right now? Because here come the Chiefs on Sunday night football. If if you have them slated to win the Super Bowl, yes, you should be concerned. But they're not going to tumble into you know a losing record or a French team because their defense is too good, and you know that Brady will be there when it matters. However, they have an offensive line that has been injured, and I don't think it's fixable. Mm -hmm. I have full faith and confidence that the wide receivers will be back, and Brady will figure out how to do that. But Brady is as old as you can possibly get as a quarterback. And when you lost two of their anchors in the offensive line, you're just having hodgepodge solutions and they're not coming back. Now, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, they'll, they'll be back. So I think the offensive line concern is the biggest one for the Bucs. Cause you'll recall 
in the 2015 AFC championship when Von Miller and the shell of Peyton Manning beat them. That was the only time in my life I have ever seen Brady absolutely abused and they still try almost won it. And so I, I fear if you're a Bucks fan that that could be on the docket again, because even though he has probably the best pocket presence in the history of man, uh, teams are going to be able to get to Brady and he's nowhere nimble enough to get away from it. Right. Just seeing him moderately move a week ago, it was like, oh, this ain't good. This is not what you want if you're a Bucks fan. You don't want to see that on the football field. You want to see precision out of the pocket. All right, let's turn to week four, my man. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thursday night football, pretty big one here. Dolphins, Bengals, undefeated Miami Dolphins. Can they channel their inner Dan Marino this year, 19-0 or something like that? We shall see. Uh, but for the Bengals here, you know, it seems like a get-right spot. Uh, you know, they're starting to find their stride a little bit here. I think they're minus four favorites in this football game, which is kind of interesting. It is. Considering the Dolphins are 3-0. and Who do you see coming out on top in that one? Um, I'm taking the Bengals because I think the Dolphins have to come back to the stratosphere. Like, they're certainly good. And they're going to be there in January based on how well this clicked for them right away. But I think the Bengals, from head to toe on their depth chart, are, are too good to be 1-3. and three. And I had a lot of takes written down here. I didn't know what exactly we were going to talk about. And one of my <laughs> takes was there are several teams that you would have fo- forecasted to be relevant that are facing must-win games because otherwise they hit the one and three toilet and only 15% of teams reach the postseason after going one and three since they expanded to six teams in 1990. And that's Cincinnati, the Los Angeles Chargers, Pittsburgh Steelers, if you buy into the Tomlin voodoo, Arizona Cardinals, New England Patriots, Las Vegas Raiders, and San Francisco 49ers. All of those teams are teetering on one and three, and some of them will be one and three, and hence season almost over. So the Bengals, I did predict they would have a a little bit of a Super Bowl hangover and go about nine and eight, um, because that's every time a team loses in the Super Bowl, they they encounter these doldrums for some reason. So, uh, but I do think the Bengals win this one because I think the the Dolphins honeymoon gets a little pumping of the brakes. I mean, talk about the resume though, with Miami beating New England, Mm -hmm. beating Baltimore, my Ravens in a crazy game. And then Buffalo a week ago, are they a Super Bowl contender? Are you buying in? I'm buying more into the Eagles because their trenches are better than the Dolphins, but Super Bowl contender. I still like the Chiefs and the Bills more so than the Dolphins when it's on the line, the divisional round, the AFC championship. I picked the Chiefs to win it all, and I'm not backing away from it. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I – if I say they're not a Super Bowl contender, it really undermines them. So, yeah, I think they're a Super Bowl contender, but I do not expect them to be in the Super Bowl quite yet. Okay. Justin Baker of Believe in Vikings here on Lock It In with Cam Rogers. Let's get bold here. Yeah. What is your boldest prediction for the rest of the NFL season? Could be Vikings, could be something else. Oh, boy. Um, well, I'm, I don't really have anything bold for the Vikings because it's more of a jinx when I do anything yeah. like that. Um, I think a, I, don't, it's, I don't know if it's classified as bold anymore, but I think Jacksonville is the real deal. Like a lot of that has to do with the weak division. But I think there might be some type of mentality that, oh, look at the little Jags. Good for them. They're 2-0. and Lawrence is looking like a real quarterback. They're more than that. By the numbers through three weeks uh, per EPA per play on Ben Baldwin's website, they have the third best defense and then the seventh best offense. Lawrence is progressing. They spent oodles of cash finding relevant free agents. And then on the docket, they have Colts and Titans and the Texans who don't look very mighty. 
So I guess my bold prediction is that beyond the shadow of a doubt, the Jaguars win the division and get into the place playoffs. It certainly seems like that division is wide open and that defense there is looking great with Jacksonville. And Doug Peterson, I think, is the coach they, they needed, you know, as yeah. far as, you know. The, an- the anti-Meyer. <laughs> yeah, keeping everybody in line, if you will, and making sure everybody's efficient on the football field. All right, let's look ahead to week four. London, set your timer. Mr. Dustin Baker, Vikings mm-hmm. and Saints. The Saints are getting two and a half at home in this one. How do you see this playing out? I could see this being ugly considering the injuries with mm-hmm. the Saints side. And yeah. I think it's the other way around. I think the Vikings are favored by two and a half. Oh, is it? Is that how it flip. is? Yeah, I believe so. As of, Oh, yeah. So the yeah. Saints are getting two and a half. So oh, my bad. Yeah. Okay. Underdogs. Yeah, if yeah you I misunderstood you there. Um, yeah, this one. So when they when the Vikings played the Eagles on Monday Night Football, I I predicted to high heavens that the Eagles were going to win, and that wasn't a popular sentiment among my pals because they're like, "No, we just beat the Packers, baby," and I was like, "It ain't gonna work." They, their offensive line is too good, and so is their defensive line. This one, I've searched high and low the emotions um, of how I feel. I think the Vikings do find a way to win this, mainly because Jameis is banged up, and I think the Vikings have a better roster. So I'll take the Vikings probably between three and six, and I don't think it'll be a humongous shootout. I think it'll be in the 20s, and the Vikings go to three and one. Yeah, grind it out kind of affair, Mm -hmm. if you will. Some uh, coffee football for you on Sunday in (laughs) London. Let's look to my team, the Ravens. Taking on the Buffalo Bills for the first time in a while. The Ravens are home underdogs here, and I still think the Buffalo Bills are the best team in the NFL, despite that loss to the Dolphins. A little bit fluky, if you will. Your thoughts on this matchup, Lamar Jackson, can they get it done? I think it was problematic for you and your team that the Bills lost because yep. they they were kind of feeling almost undefeated season vibes based on how um, astutely their roster is constructed. So now I think they're angry, and you'll probably this probably in the surprise to you the Ravens defense is concerning and I think national folks we rest on the laurels that the Ravens always have a good defense or the Steelers always have a good defense and it's hard to believe when they don't so I think merely because they're playing the Bills I think the Bills will win it but that doesn't mean that the Ravens suddenly suck or anything it's just you have to ask yourself how how long can this Lamar show go on because You'll probably know in your bones, he wasn't very good last year outside of that game against the Colts when they came back. Right. But this year, he's turned the page, and he's back to that MVP dude. Uh, I, I'll take the the Bills, not by much, and both teams you know, remain extraordinarily relevant going forward. Uh, some other games across the NFL here this week, Patriots and Packers. Let's stay in the NFC North for you. Uh, the Packers minus nine and a half big time favorites against probably Brian Hoyer at the quarterback <laughs> position. I mean, sucks for CBS. This is their game of the week and Mac Jones isn't even playing. How do you see this one panning out? Do you think the Packers cover that number? Oh, uh, ooh, yeah, probably. It's kind of the proverbial you don't like to bet against Belichick, especially given nine and a half, ten points. But the Patriots are... I don't know, especially with Brian Hoyer going in there. Yeah, the Packers at home, I'll take them covering that. And that's mainly because the Patriots just feel like the best that they could possibly do is probably nine and eight. And I doubt they even get there. And go figure, it mattered when Brady left that, you know, it wasn't all Belichick. It was either it was either Havsies or it was Brady. Right. Yep. Great game coming up. 
this mm-hmm. week on Sunday Night Football here, Bucks and Chiefs. We alluded to it earlier, Dustin. How do you see this one going? I mean, I can't see Brady losing another game here. This one, by the way, could be in your neck of the woods in Minneapolis, depending on the hurricane. When I buy into, you know, losing right. the week week before, and I think that the Chiefs would find a way to outlast the Bucks, and then we could start the little panic meter about the Bucks, like they they want you to Brady. They want you to doubt them. They they need that that sadistic motivation to get going. And what what would that sink the Bucks to two and two? I think so. Yep, two and two. Yeah, I think the Chiefs, wherever it is, uh, end up winning it because losing two in a row. I know they didn't last year before they got their poop in the group, but yeah, I'll take the Chiefs in that one. Should be a good one. Bucks are two-point underdogs at home. Dustin Baker joining Lock It In with Cam Rogers. Dustin, I appreciate the time, sir. Where can the people find you? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, Vikingsterritory.com. That's where I write ad nauseum all day, every day. And then I do a YouTube show about the Vikings called The Vikes Now. And then finally, uh, a podcast with Bryant McKinney that we do twice a week. That's audio only for the most part. Well, no, now they're starting to post it on the Believe Network. That's uh, that's kind of a new sensation over the last month. And then yep. just at Dust Baker on Twitter. I know that was a lot of spots, but if, if, if you like the Vikings, you'll eventually find me. I'm saturated all over the internet. And fantastic NFL analysis as well. By the way, Bryant McKinney, the big time unsung hero for that Ravens Super Bowl victory at oh, left yeah. tackle. He was great. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he has very <laughs> fond memories about that. We let him go and he went and won a Super Bowl. So, and Matt Burke was on that team too. <laughs> yeah. So. Burke was great. Both yeah, Vikings. absolutely. All right. Dustin, well, thanks for having me, sir. Yeah. Take care, man. Welcome back to Lock It In with Cam Rogers. Major shout out to Dustin Baker for coming on the program, talking about the Vikings and the rest of the NFL here in week four. Speaking of which, the Vikings take on the New Orleans Saints in London. This game at 9.30 Eastern time on Sunday morning. Set your alarms. The Saints are getting two and a half points at home in this game here. The Saints are 5-0 and straight up. In their last five games against the NFC North, here are the key points. The Saints continue to turn the ball over at an alarming rate. They're dead last in giveaways per game. The Saints can't score, averaging 17 points per game. Now, on the other side, the Vikings, well, Dalvin Cook may not be 100% or even play in this game, but still, we've seen Alexander Madison perform at the running back position when called upon. There are just too many injuries for me on the Saints side. Jameis Winston, Michael Thomas, etc. Something's going on with Alvin Kamara at the running back position. He hasn't been as effective as we are used to from him. So really, the Saints don't give me any confidence whatsoever, especially considering they just lost to the Carolina Panthers, perhaps one of the worst teams in the National Football League. Vikings cover minus two and a half in this game. Tennessee Titans, Indianapolis Colts. I can't quite figure out the Colts right now. They go to Jacksonville and throw up a goose egg. Then they beat the Kansas City Chiefs. So which is it? It's absolutely clear to me on the Titans side of things what they want to do. Run the rock with Derrick Henry, play action off of that. That entire offense runs through Derrick Henry. Even though the Colts beat the Chiefs, I don't think they passed the eye test for me. The offensive line struggles. 
Jonathan Taylor hasn't gotten going yet predominantly because of the offensive line. And Matt Ryan is a statue back there in the pocket and keeps turning the football over. They probably should not have won that game against the Chiefs last week. They were not as close in terms of offensive efficiency as the Chiefs were a week ago. Put that all together. Titans get it done on the money line. The Bears and the Giants. The Giants are laying three and a half points in this one. I can't even begin to tell you how bad this Bears passing attack is. It's bad. Giants cover minus three and a half. I cannot trust the Chicago Bears. Buffalo Bills, Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens are home underdogs, plus three and a half against these Bills. This Ravens secondary is concerning for me. Even as a Ravens fan, there are red flags here. Mac Jones looked like Tom Brady a week ago. Forget about the interceptions. He was completing passes all over the field. And the Ravens can't rely on intercepting the quarterback three times, two times every single week. That is not sustainable. I love the Ravens. They're going to make a big playoff push, but this is not a good spot for them, even at home, coming off a victory. Bills cover minus three and a half. Chargers and Texans, the Texans are getting four and a half points at home in this game. The Chargers looked pathetic last week, and the Jaguars took advantage. Justin Herbert's health is a real concern right now. And all the while, the Texans may be a bad team. They are competitive. They hang in there every single game. And honestly... It's not because of Davis Mills. He's been pretty bad so far this year through a costly interception against the Bears to lose that game a week ago. Houston, not great at home. Ironically, 1-7 and 1 straight up in its last nine home games. This should be a bounce back game for the Chargers, but I'm putting more stock in this defense, of course, with Khalil Mack and Bosa, that pass rush. I think they get after Davis Mills. They win this game in an ugly score. So I think it's going to be close. I have Houston covering plus four and a half. Seahawks and Lions, the Lions, minus four and a half points. The favorites at home are the Lions, an offensive juggernaut. Good offensive line, fantastic wide receiver, Amon Ross St. Brown. No DeAndre Swift, but Jamal Williams is proving to be a really great running back as well. The Lions have scored a touchdown in 17 consecutive quarters. That's the longest active streak in the National Football League. The Seahawks are not fun to watch. They're bad on defense. They're bad at the quarterback position. Running back, still leaving some to be desired. I'm a big Rashad Penny fan, but still waiting for him to sort of burst. So... I like the Lions in this matchup. Detroit is 3-0 ATS so far this year, even though DeAndre Swift is not going to play. Again, I have all the faith in the world that Jamal Williams can carry the load here in this game. Lions cover minus four and a half. I think Seattle may only win like three games this year. Jets and Steelers. Steelers are laying three and a half points in this matchup rematch of the 2010 AFC Championship, might I add. The Steelers won that one, and of course, 
took on the Packers in the Super Bowl. Questions at quarterback for both teams. I don't think Zach Wilson is going to play this week at the quarterback position, which means Joe Flacco time. And Joe Flacco is one and nine as a starter at the quarterback position in his last 10 games. Even though the Steelers are underwhelming, especially on defense, I think they can get the victory here just based on the coaching matchup alone. I have way more faith in Mike Tomlin as compared to Robert Sala. I'll go with the Steelers to win this game outright and cover that minus three and a half number. I think they do enough. This is not going to be a fun game to watch, but I think the Steelers do get it done at home. Jaguars, Eagles, potential Super Bowl preview. Eagles are laying six and a half points in this one. Are the Jags on their way to winning the AFC South? Potentially. We shall see. They got their first road win since 2019, a week ago against the Chargers. This is a much different test on the road against the Eagles. The Eagles just beat the Commanders soundly, and they look really, really efficient on the offensive side and ferocious on the defensive side. Interesting coaching battle, by the way. Nick Sirianni against Doug Peterson. Peterson, of course, going up against his former team. I think the Jaguars are legitimate playoff contenders. But I can't see the Eagles laying an egg at home in this one. I have the Eagles winning outright, but the Jaguars keep this one close. That defense is impressive to me. A lot of young talent there. They cover that plus six and a half number. Commanders and Cowboys, the Cowboys are laying three and a half points in this one. There is no quarterback controversy, but credit to Cooper Rush staying within himself and running this offense effectively 3-0 as a starter. The Cowboys dominated the Commanders a year ago, outscoring them 83-34. I have no faith in Carson Wentz whatsoever. He turns the football over all over the place. I think Micah Parsons is in for a big-time game on this offensive line here that's really struggling for the Commanders. Dallas is 7-0 ATS in its last seven games against the NFC East. I'm not going to overthink this one. Cowboys cover minus three and a half. The Browns and the Falcons. The Falcons are getting one point in this one. The Browns looked pretty smooth and efficient on offense against the Steelers. On Thursday night football, they get a little bit of a mini buy, if you will, as they take on the Falcons. The Browns are the number one rushing team in the NFL. The Falcons are pretty good at running the rock as well. The Browns have concerns on the defensive side of the ball outside of Denzel Ward. And I think Kyle Pitts and Drake London are going to be really difficult weapons for the Browns to deal with here. Tough call for me, but I think Dean Pease puts out a really good defensive game plan, creates a couple of turnovers off of Jacoby Brissett. Falcons get it done. They win outright. A.J. Terrell on Amari Cooper. Outside of Cooper, who can Brissett really look to? David Njoku? I'm not going to rely on him. Give me the Falcons to get it done. They win this game outright at home. Carolina Panthers taking on the Arizona Cardinals. The Panthers sure know how to win ugly beating the Saints last week, but Baker Mayfield is bad at football right now. I have no faith in this Panthers team. Even though I picked them to win last week, it was because I have no faith in the Saints. Arizona, 0-6 straight up. 
in its last six games against Carolina, but the Panthers are one and nine straight up in their last 10 home games. Can Arizona score more than 17 points? Carolina one and 25 in the Matt Rule era when giving up at least 17 points. My answer, yes, Arizona can score more than that. Arizona wins this game outright. Broncos and Raiders. The Raiders are favorites in this one, interestingly. 0-3, by the way, but minus 2.5 favorites in this AFC West showdown. The Broncos have hardly looked like the offensive powerhouse that we expected, but I think this is a get-right game for the offense. Finally, the offense gets things going, giving the rock to Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon. Cortland Sutton is looking like a true number one wide receiver here with Russell Wilson. The Raiders are a bottom 10 defense in the NFL. Las Vegas has lost five of its last eight home games. Simply put, I can't trust Derek Carr. The Raiders season is basically over at this point. The Broncos defense is playing fantastically, ranking second in points allowed. Broncos improve to three and one. They win this game outright. Patriots, Packers, the Packers are laying nine and a half points in this one. It's unlikely we see Mac Jones at the quarterback position for New England, which means Brian Hoyer versus Aaron Rodgers. Not much analysis needed here. The Packers are going to win this game outright, and they will blow out the Patriots in Green Bay. Since 2020, the Patriots are four and six ATS as road underdogs. I think Rodgers has found really a good connection here with Romeo Dobbs at the wide receiver position. Expect plenty of him. Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon out of the backfield. Packers cover minus nine and a half. Sunday night football, Chiefs and Bucks. The Bucks are underdogs, plus two at home. This game could be out there in Minneapolis due to the hurricane that's going on in Florida. So stay tuned on that. The Bucs defense has been great. The offense hasn't, but I think Tom Brady figures it out here this week. Mike Evans is back, likely to have at least one of the two, Julio Jones and Chris Godwin at the wide receiver position. Bucks get it done. I can't see Tom Brady losing another game here or else it's desperation mode for the Bucs if they want to make the playoffs. Bucks win this game outright. And then finally, Monday night football, 49ers are the favorites in this one. Minus two, the 49ers swept the regular season, while the Rams, of course, won the NFC Championship game last year, so they got the last laugh there. Big concern, the health of Trent Williams at the tackle position. Then here comes Von Miller, right? So I think that the Rams are going to get this one done. They will win this game outright. The Rams are 10-4, and ATS as a road underdog under Sean McVay. I think the Rams are starting to find their stride a little bit here on the offensive side. Offensive line is playing better. Matt Stafford's playing better. That week one loss seems like a far cry for me. Rams win this game outright on the road over the 49ers. And there you go, my week four NFL predictions right here on Lock It In. Keep it right here, my Sanderson Farms Championship best bets. And welcome back to Lock It In with Cam Rogers, wrapping up the hour here as we talk about the Sanderson Farms Championship across the PGA Tour here this week. 
The Country Club of Jackson features large Bermuda grass greens that will require a really good iron game here this week. And I would say that the driving distance factor is certainly going to be key as well. Typically, the Bombers play well at this golf course. So with that, my outright selection, my projected winner for the Sanderson Farms Championship, Trey Mullinax, 41-1 to to get it done. Personal best T4 at the Country Club of Jackson last year, number one in this field. In strokes gained total over the last 24 rounds, 12th in tee to green, 19th off the tee, winner in July at the Barbasol Championship as well. So with that, Trey Mullinex, who's pretty long off the tee, we don't talk about it much, but he is, gets it done here this week at the Sanderson Farms Championship. Also a top 10 play here, Emiliano Grio. I think he gets it done for a top 10 here this week. I think he's going to win at some point this fall season. Once known as a horrible putter, pretty darn good. Gaining with the putter in six straight events. He was T25 at the Fortinet Championship as well. Finished last year on a red-hot streak. Three cuts made and three starts at the Country Club of Jackson. Number three in this field in strokes gained T to green over the last 24 rounds. Put that all together. Emiliano Grillo to get it done here for a top 10. Also, Thomas Detry at plus 550, T12 at the Fortinet Championship. And that was with a struggling putter. That's one of his best attributes. I think he figures it out with the putter here this week. Finishes inside the top 10. There you go, my best bets for the Sanderson Farms Championship. Thank you so much for tuning in to Lock It In with Cam Rogers. Continue the conversation on social. Follow me on Twitter at MrRogers99. Let me know what you think about the show. Good luck to your bets here this week. Keep it right here on Lock It In for more golf bets and, of course, my expert picks across the National Football League. Cam Rogers signing off here. Thank you again for tuning in. I will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.